0: Moncrief on News Talk,
1: Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.
0: So let me see if I have this right. You received a doll in the mail. Yes. And it's creepy.
1: Oh, yes. And you believe it's from Russia, huh? I know it is. Mm. The, the stamps on the package
0: have that hammer with that h- hook thingamajig. In-
1: Sickle. Sounds like it came from Russia.
0: Wow, I'm so glad I called (laughs) you. Should I be worried?
1: I would be. Could be a threat.
0: After all, it sabotaged their U.S. operation. Killed about two dozen comrades.
1: How would they know my name? If it's the KGB choice and they want to find out who you are, they will. Wait, can you address her? What? The creepy doll. Can you remove her dress? Um, Hey. Jesus. What? She has nipples.
0: There you go. That's uh, season four of Stranger Things, where a group of uh, high school students in their mid-thirties battled with weird stuff in their local town. James Dempsey joins us uh, once again. Afternoon, James. Uh, It's. I also, with Stranger Things, it was, you know, they're kind of Replicating the same thing with diminishing returns?
1: Yes and no. I think um I so I have to admit I, I I mainlined this whole uh season and watched all seven episodes, and some of them are very long, like some of them are an hour and a half, and I and Whoa. but by the time I got to episode seven and it came to its conclusion, which is this huge cliffhanger, I felt extremely shortchanged. But there's actually two or three I couldn't quite get the details right more episodes coming out on the 1st of July that wraps up the season so they split it up into parts one and two separated by five days or something as for why they did that you'd have to ask Netflix themselves and on the whole um for me it is still when it's very very good series I think it is it can be really really strong Uh, but the problem is there's just a lot of um, padding around the middle of it Mm. so this time around uh, you know as we set up the season and some minor spoilers I guess for people who have not finished season 3 though that was pre-pandemic so you've had a while to catch up (laughs) Um, basically at the moment we find Eleven also going by the name Jane Hopper living um, no longer in the town of Hawkins, Indiana she has been adopted by Winona Ryder and moved off with that family and just trying to make a life for herself. Now that she had no longer has her psychic powers and is, is suffering bullying in the local high school. Okay. And Hopper, her uh, sort of uh, father figure, um, is is living it up in a gulag in the middle of the Russian wilderness. Okay. <laughs> uh, despite us all believing to him to have died at the end of the third season. And then you have uh, Hawkins in Indiana. I assume, the,
0: the, the, I, for me to say, why is he in Russia? That's explained in, in...
1: It is. It's explained in laborious detail that I feel they could have just done in one scene, but instead they sort of stretched it out. and right. That's a huge okay. problem generally with this show okay. across the board. And then back in Hawkins, you've got the sort of uh, two sets of teens. You've got the the younger ones, which were, I guess, really kids when the series started. And the kind of funny thing about, about Stranger Things is when the Duffer brothers, Matt and Ross, I think, are their names. When they pitched it to like 15 different cable networks they were turned down by every one of them saying, look, we don't really see a a show for adults being led by children working and they wanted them to rework the whole thing. Back then it was called Montauk, it was about upstate New York. They wanted them to rework it with Hopper uh, the the police chief uh, played by David Harbour to be the the central character and him exploring the things that go bump in the night. And uh, now, I mean arguably it's like, the whole point of Stranger Things is is it's the nostalgia fest for mm. millennials and Gen Xers, right? Because it calls back to sort of uh, 80s and I guess, incre- uh, it, you know, when season five, which I think is going to be the last one, when that eventually does come out, it might push into the late 80s, early 90s. You don't know how it's going to go in the timeline of the show. But anyway, it, it, that is clearly its strength, that it, it calls to mind these movies that I or like The Goonies or something like that that yeah. I would have watched as a child and teen and and fondly remember even though they mightn't be as good as you remember them because of mm. course you're looking at them through the eyes of a unrefined child. Mm. <laughs> anyway but um, this time around what, what I think has worked really really well is it is for my memory much scarier than it has previously been so each season sort of uh, has had some kind of big bad bad the demigorgon the mind frayer uh, various dungeons and dragon names that i'm not going to get quite right and this time around the big bad is vecna who is a sort of underworld uh, evil magician Or wizard of some kind who is stalking uh, lesser known characters and and one episode characters back in Hawkins, Indiana, who then have this most brutal, but very CGI, um, CGI death. And when it comes at the end of the first episode, it is quite shocking and scary and very, very, very spooky. And Mm. I think spookiness is much more the theme of this season rather than kind of sci fi, which I think is really what you would say of the first three. It it all gets tied together by the end of the seventh episode and with at least two to go, uh, there's still a bit more, you know, tying to be done. For my take, um, how they have managed to piece all the story together is a little bit contrived and a little bit unnecessary. You know, the whole point of this, of the upside down and the weirdness going on in Hawkins is there's a bit of mystery and uh, unknown to it. And now that we sort of have you know by the end of this season I feel like we'll have a very great understanding of what the upside down is and what why Hawkins is so um stalked by creepy weirdo things right okay <laughs> that, that yeah. doesn't necessarily think we needed to know that right mm-hmm. like it would have been okay to just end up with a bit of mystery that yeah there's this weird hellscape that you can just accidentally fall through and <laughs> and I don't know I don't know if I quite needed them to go all the lengths they did the other thing that's kind of interesting about it is they, you know, in, in the creation of this show, they walked themselves into a corner, right? Because the character of Eleven, this, uh, you know, this girl with, with psychic powers who can move uh, objects and, uh, you know, punch a wall through dimensions and uh, invade your mind, etc. You know, they created her as this um all-powerful superhero who was ultimately able to solve everything so far, and in the third season, they stripped her of her powers at the at the be- at the end of it rather. And this time round, we spend a lot of time with, uh, you know, the other way, like in a real classic 80s movie, they would just do a montage to very quickly uh, regain your powers.
0: Yes. <laughs> and instead
1: of doing a montage, uh, Rocky style, exactly, um, we get several, several episodes of, of, of Eleven re dredging her past in order to unlock this mystery, blah, 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 blah. And to me, I found it again just too long winded, you know? Mm. There's only so many times I can see Millie Bobby Brown floating in an isolation tank with her eyes going mad behind her eyelids. You know, without it moving on the plot in a more significant way. So on the whole, I still like it, right? I mean, I watched the whole thing in a weekend, and it probably adds up to about ten hours, if if not more. Mm-hmm. So I like, I I gave it my all to try and finish it. I felt a little shortchanged because you know I didn't finish it ultimately, but. Um, what What I think is its greatest strength is the chemistry of its cast, right? The young actors that they cast in 2015, I suppose, when they were making it, released in 2016, are really good. They have great natural charisma. They work very well with each other. Perhaps the biggest problem the show has is... Um, its fidelity to its young characters and admittedly it's kind of probably hard to spin to Netflix. Actually we're just going to butcher off these like 15 year old kids (laughs) right? One by one. But the problem that they've sort of created for themselves now is that because everyone likes its its cohort of young characters, there's just actually a lot of them, right? And they keep adding new people to the pile. So like this time, uh, you know, this time we actually have an Irish actress, Amy Beth McNulty. She was Anne of Green Gables in Anne with an E. But she's Blink and you'll miss her in the first two episodes, maybe, and hasn't been seen since. I presume she will come back for the final two. You also have uh, Robert England. Well, he's not a kid, obviously. He's Freddy Krueger doing a very good cameo. Uh, You have, uh, but the, the, the standard is this English guy named Joseph Quinn, who plays Eddie, who's this rock star, or rock, no, rock, heavy, heavy metal fan who is playing Dungeons and Dragons with the, with the young, younger teens and who gets, um, well, who the town immediately takes against when something happens, but the problem is, in adding these new people, uh, it comes at the loss of some of the others. So, of the original core people, I think the you know some of them are very poorly served with what they get to do in this, and uh, and this is just a problem that is 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 going to get worse if they're not going to get rid of some of them.
0: <laughs> uh, and so, they, it almost could be reduced to making up bits of additional story just to give. F- Gives people something
1: to do. Well, this time they're on different side quests, right? So they're all divided up into separate teams, essentially. You have a, you have the core team of teens in, uh, in Hawkins, along with the couple of old, older ones. That's Steve and Nancy and Robin doing various different things. Then you have a group uh, who are, we'll call the mobile group, who are driving to Nevada for reasons I won't get, get into. And that's Will and... Oh, uh, uh, Mike and his and the older brother and a, a new uh, long-haired driver named Argyle, and then you have uh, Joyce and actually a great addition to the cast is Brett Gelman, who uh, you would know from from. Um, uh Oh, the, oh, it's all gone out of my head anyway. yeah. well maybe you wouldn't know him from that then <laughs> um, where he, he, is, he plays this washed up journalist who's now a conspiracy theorist and he he didn't speak Russian before he started the show and was very heavily coached in, in his Russian scenes okay. of which he has a lot now I don't speak any Russian so I can't uh, speak to the quality of his Russian mm. and how well he would actually fool uh, mm. KGB agents who might be able to hear an accent which I can't tell if it exists or doesn't, but he uh, is a great addition to the cast and he enjoys and our uh, head off towards, uh, you know, Mother Russia to try and, and break um, Hopper out of the gulag. And all in all, each part is kind of good separately and interesting but there's just too much going on really and the episodes you know some of them clocking in at an hour and a half an hour and 40 minutes I think the finale when it does come is two hours and three minutes you know this is a lot and there is a lot and if you can't tell a more confined story you know uh, there's just a lot of padding and they just need to you know reduce it down a bit Uh,
0: well somebody's texting to say Stranger Things 2 and 3 were rubbish but this season is very good it's proper horror
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think the previous ones were more sci-fi and this is... This is more horror in the sense of, like, spooky, creepy, weird stuff and very violent, gruesome deaths and, uh, you know, all kind of weird stuff going on. And for my, for what it's worth, I really enjoyed that. (laughs) Yeah, Okay.
0: Uh, And uh, JJ says, ask James, does he think Stranger Things is losing the 80s vibe? I feel watching it that it forgets it's supposed to be set 40 years ago sometimes.
1: I'll, I'll give you yeah I I kind of agree like there's, there's a lot of there's a subplot a really minor subplot in this in, in Stranger Things 4 about hacking and the internet and there's a scene where you know the the hacker is talking about all of these things and look I, I'm sure the internet existed in, in in 1986 when the show is set but I don't know if uh, you know, mm. I, don't, I don't know if they'd be throwing around things like IP addresses and, and various other things that just felt slightly anachronistic to me. And certainly some of the, uh, you know, some of the pop culture references seem more referential to a later enjoyment of the pop culture than a contemporary enjoyment of the pop culture. But yes, I was also, I don't think, born when, when the show was <laughs> set. So I don't know what I'm talking about either. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Was there internet in nineteen eighty six? I kind of have my doubts. Right. We'll move on to our second show. Uh, It is Obi-Wan Kenobi. New episodes every Wednesday on Disney+. Plus. I think the first two are already there. Here's a clip.
1: I want you to stay away from it. We don't need anything from you, Ben.
0: It's just a toy.
1: It's a lot more than that.
0: There's more to life than your farm, Owen. He needs to see that. There's a whole
1: galaxy out there. I'm asking you to leave us alone, Ben. I mean it. Is he okay? You don't care if he's okay, you care if he's showing? It's my responsibility, Owen. Well, I'm his
0: uncle. We talked about this. When the time comes, he must be trained. Like you trained his father?
1: Anakin is dead, Ben. And I won't let you make the same mistake twice. So leave him on the farm with his family where he belongs. There you go. That's Obi
0: Wan Kenobi. I actually saw the first two episodes of this. I really liked it. I really liked it as well.
1: And I, I wonder is it if I went in with really low expectations because <laughs> because of the other uh, Star Wars TV shows, The Mandalorian has you know has eked out a place of enjoyment in my heart I do reasonably like it I can't say I love it but I like it Yeah. but I didn't like The Book of Boba Fett at all and and I I went the whole distance with it and hoping for some big big thing to happen and redeem it and it just didn't in my eyes so I went into this with relatively low expectations and the funny thing about this is originally it was intended to be uh, like a feature film spin off with Stephen Daldry directing and and it was actually going to be made in Belfast. And then mm. this the like the solo, Han Solo movie was a financial flop of sorts. So that put a nix on that. And therefore they retooled it and I guess renegotiated with everyone involved and have instead produced this TV show. And as far as I'm as far as I'm aware, there are six parts. They're all directed by Deborah Chow, who is who has directed some episodes of The Mandalorian. They're probably her best known credits only. But what I really thought was interesting about this was How well for me it worked as connective tissue uh, between, we'll say, the, the, the Star Wars prequels, episodes one to three and the original Star Wars four to six. Because it managed to make, you know, it managed to make some very strong cases for what Obi-Wan Kenobi was just sort of doing hanging around <laughs> after the Jedi all go the way of the Jedi. After, I think it's called Order 66.
0: Yeah, this, I, 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 there's probably loads of people listening going, I, I don't know. Uh, Luke is still the only a child yes, at this point. Yes. And he's loitering around Tatooine where he lives just to keep an eye on him. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Basically, yes. Because um, at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, when when there, when Luke Skywalker's mother gives birth to both her and Princess Leia. Uh, Princess Leia is shipped off somewhere else and Luke is brought to the Desert Palant. He gets the really raw deal yeah. <laughs> out
0: of the pair of them.
1: Yeah. Um, but because Princess Leia is being sort of kept in, I guess, some sort of uh, kingdom, they are, I, there's I, some assumption that she will be safe. Though this is a very poor assumption as to what happens in the show. What I really liked about it was also... A kind of a problem I've had um, with, with The Mandalorian and with, uh, with particularly the Book of Boba Fett is they're all I- taking place on the same planet, right? Or the same sort of like dust bowl, you know, <laughs> <laughs> desert land. Yeah,
0: uh, so really, they don't have any nice planets. Right?
1: Like at least sometimes in The Mandalorian he flies off somewhere else or he does encounter, you know, that funny frog woman mm. with Baby Yoda eating all the eggs. That was really funny, right? But like here, at least we got to go to two different planets already in the space of, the. Of, you know, we started on Tatooine uh, Dust Bowl that we've seen plenty of times before. But then we go to Alderaan and then we, oh, I can't remember the name of the other planet, but I read in an interview it's, it's, you know... It's it's just a cyberpunk LA from yeah. from something right and yes it was but I still thought it was well put together it was very funny the episodes were only forty five minutes long which compared to Stranger Thing Stranger Things made for a nice little you know refresher and and all in all I thought uh, Ewan McGregor you know really fit the role of Obi Wan right he looks a little bit older but not that much older but he he feels stately and old and it made sense that. He's sort of sadly moping around. <laughs> yeah, and he's kind of he's kind of feels he's lost us as yeah. well, you know. And, and he's you
0: and, know, and he you know, I, you know there's always that trope where they're no, no, you've asked the wrong guy. I said, but you kind of he really sells that very he does. well.
1: He very much does, and it makes sense because you know in 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 the Star Wars lore. His entire uh, existence really has been eradicated and the Jedi are all but gone. There are a few lurking around and there's these people going around called the Inquisitors who are the big bads, we'll say, Mm. of the episodes. Uh, who are uh, hunting down the Jedi, and and into that comes uh, comes Moses Ingram, who people will recognise from uh, the Queen's Gambit. She was she was uh, the the friend, the grown up uh, you know the uh, the grown up black friend of, of mm. the of the chess player who appears in the later episodes, and she plays uh, Reva Savander, who is third sister, I think was the name they gave to her as well, who has a particular penchant for forgetting getting Obi Wan and decides to flush him out in a way that I didn't expect uh, to come and Mm. I found it kind of I thought it was a little bit contrived but so what this is a space soap opera so like not everything's going to be absolutely geniusly plotted but on the whole I just thought I thought it carried a much more um, emotional weight than the other Star Wars Mm. shows Mm. I guess because we already know this story a bit more right my like certainly my my gateway into this is a bit clearer and straightforward and easier to follow but it also really gave me high hopes for Andor, which is the next Star Wars small screen spinoff to come. That was um, about Cassian Andor, who's one of the characters in Rogue One, which was the one and done show. But that's actually the real Irish invasion of Star Wars because it also has Fiona Shaw and uh, Genevieve O'Reilly and Denise Gough all in, oh, wow. all in big okay. roles. So, uh, you know, the Irish are coming.
0: Right. OK. And now the, the, your, your diehard Star Wars people, are they accepting this into the family or, or, or are they you know, <laughs> not
1: know. inviting them to the wedding? Kind <laughs> it's of thing? funny. I read I read two completely different articles, one saying like the show makes a great case for all of these sort of plot holes in uh, in A New Hope, which is episode, I guess, uh Four and, uh, and then I read another one that said it makes a terrible case for all these uh, plot holes <laughs> in episode four. So I guess it depends on what side of the bed you get up on in your in your Star Wars pajamas, right? Right. But, but for me, I thought it made good sense. I thought it. I I just thought it was a really really promising start in a way that none of the other Star Wars shows have been.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the the, the fellow who plays Darth Vader in this, is it the same person who uh, Hayden Christensen who read him in the
1: film? It, they weren't just using clips in the films. No, no, no. So uh, Hayden Christensen... Who I think has sort of given up acting and was living on a farm in Canada. Uh, they, the producers of the show went went to meet him. I think Kathleen Kennedy is the big head honcho behind them, and they went to meet him directly to pitch to him his reason to come back to the show because uh, the prequels were much maligned when they when mm. they came out, and certainly his performance was definitely not considered a highlight of it. And I think that's kind of part of the reason why he left acting altogether f- from sort of dealing with all of the emotional s- turmoil and stress around that but they have brought him back and uh, Ewan McGregor was very gracious in all the interviews saying that this was the best thing about going back to the production for him you know going back and meeting Hayden after 22 years or something I think it was the last Crikey. Like it's, it's a long time since they first worked together anyway
0: yeah, all right, yeah. There was a lot of, like, um, Ewan McGregor old jokes in it. Like, he's not that old. No, they
1: could have greyed up his hair or something. Uh, like yeah. that.
0: <laughs> looks, <laughs> looks grand, really, you know. Uh, right, our, our third show is Big Boys. Uh, you can catch your Thursdays at 10pm on Channel 4 or watch the whole series on all four. Here's a clip. First I whipped out your septum piercing. Then I nearly died drinking poppers. And yesterday I spilt someone's mum's ashes all over their knob. Honestly, mate, I think it's just hard being gay. I think you're accident-prone. Sure,
1: so you're not just a spatsick.
0: Sorry, where did Corinne come from? But well,
1: then he texted, said that you needed cheering up. You f- turned out to be a really old man. Danny. He was. You need to lose your virginity soon. Otherwise, it's just gonna get in the way of your studies. Just do what I did. Lose it with your driving instructor. Distraction out the way. But I'm
0: not learning to drive. Gays can't drive. We were born to be driven. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I tell my mum and the pleasure. Yes, gays can't drive. They were born to be driven uh, in, in Uh Right, OK. So this, this is kind of autobiographical, semi-little yeah,
1: bit? Semi-autobiographical. Semi-autobi- the the comedian who wrote it, his name is Jack Rook. I have to admit I wasn't familiar with him at all before mm. um, this. But it has been a long time in, in the offing. So he had a number of Edinburgh Fringe shows. Uh, he, uh, he uh, sort of, a lot of his stand-up is about grief. And uh, his father died of cancer before he went to university, and that's one of the plot lines in this as well. And from the twenty, uh, from that, from those fringe shows, he got a pilot for this made in twenty eighteen. But obviously, it's mid twenty twenty two, so it's yeah. been a while yet for it to come. And I thought it was a real treat. I actually really, really, really liked it. Uh, it stars Dylan Llewellyn, who people will know as. James, the wee English fella from Derry Girls, mm. in his first, I guess, post Derry Girls breakout role, and he's actually a little bit underserved in all of it simply because Jack Rook also. Um, there's a lot of narration in the show, and Jack Rook records his own voice doing the narration, so we're just watching him, or we're hearing him, and it sort of takes a little bit away from what uh, you know, from what Dylan Llewellyn gets to do because yeah. he sort of just has to sort of pose silently on the screen while the narration <laughs> is going on. Um, But it also stars uh, a guy I didn't know at all named John Poynting. He plays Danny and uh, he's this kind of laddish 25-year-old guy who is carrying some emotional baggage when he arrives in university and meets Dylan Llewellyn playing Jack who uh, has also arrived to university somewhat late because of his own emotional baggage. And Dylan, or sorry, Jack rather, is is coming to terms with his sexuality and dealing with his grief and uh, moving out of home and, you know, becoming an adult and it's about un- the unlikely friendship that begins between this total lad's lad and this more softly spoken unable to drive gay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> across the board I thought actually it's it, it, it's very funny but it also it has just the right amount of like proper heavy hitting emotional turmoil in the sense that you know I've said it several times now sitcoms are either very funny or uh or very sad and not funny mm. And this, for me, hit the Goldilocks zone of being like, just right. Absolutely getting it perfectly right in the balance between those two things. Because when the emotional tugs come along, they work extremely well but there's always a funny joke just around the corner uh, from it. And really, like, you'd watch the whole thing in less than three hours, which is about one episode of Stranger Things. (laughs) And and it would be a good investment of your time because it's funny and frank and quite racy. I have to admit, pulling the clips for it was pretty tricky at 7am this morning trying Mm. to figure out how I could pick something that wouldn't be too profane-ridden. But, um, yeah, like, really, really confident start and... Perhaps my only quibble about it was it's set in, I think, 2012, 2013. And it is if, you know, if, if the, the person who texted in saying uh, Stranger Things forgot that it is uh, set 40 years ago, maybe setting something 10 years ago is actually just too hard because there's yeah. constantly modern music and modern clothing and modern everything in it. And it's just like they should have just said it in 2022 and it would have been fine. <laughs> but, but honestly, well worth seeking out. I thought it was very charming, very funny very sad and very interesting to watch this in, you know fun relationship and bromance I guess between these two completely platonic Okay
0: that's, that sounds lovely uh, Ed wants to know if Luke and Leah are brother and sister how did they ever explain the kiss they have in The Empire
1: Strikes Back but they haven't got to that yet yeah but uh, they're only kids in this one so I don't think we but I thought about
0: when, like when they snogged they didn't know they were brother and no, sister no they didn't know
1: they were brother well, and sister well that explains it <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they're perverts that's the other explanation James Dempsey <laughs> thanks a million Thank as you. ever you are listening to the Monty. Show on News Talk when to take a break after that street harassment of women.
1: Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best
0: value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.